Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Are you or your team performing all possible vendor validations? Do you know which documents have the key data you need to confirm that the vendor you are about to create or update is real? Be sure by downloading the vendor validation reference list. It also has links to all the resources listed. Download at www dot Deborah D E B R A R Richardson R I C H A R D S O N dot com. Okay, if your company is like most companies, then the accounts payable or AP vendor team is working from home. And if you're working from home or working remotely, how can you confirm your vendor changes? Keep listening. Welcome to episode 75, Working Remotely, Confirming Vendor Changes When You Can't Make That Phone Call. So if your accounts payable vendor team is following best practices, you have established a process to call the vendor for confirmation prior to making changes to the vendor's banking information or their remittance address, right? Because that could affect the check. But what happens now if you can't make that phone call now that you and your vendor may both be working from home and don't have access to a business phone line? So to answer that question, I am going to turn to my proprietary process of authentication, validation, and management. And specifically going to talk about authentication because authentication as the first part of that whole system is authenticating the source of the request prior to adding a new vendor or making a change to an existing vendor. Now, granted today it's mostly done by phone call, but there's another way to do it as well. And I actually prefer the email version because it can reduce the requirement for you to continue to call your vendor. Because if you've received an email request from a fraudster, then you have to continue to call the vendor to say, hey, no, that wasn't me. Where if you authenticate who's submitting the request, you can eliminate having to contact the vendor via phone if that request was from a fraudster. And outside of the COVID-19 pandemic, you know, sometimes you can't always get your vendors on the phone. And so that confirmation process by phone can go on and on and on and on. Whereas if you authenticate it via email, you may not have to make that phone call in the first place. So let's talk about what that looks like via email. 
And if you want to know more about the three-step process, authentication, validation, and management, I'll have a visual in the blog post for this podcast, and I'll put a link to the blog post in the show notes, and you can go over to my website and take a look, or you can just listen to episode 26, three reasons why it should take longer to add or change a vendor on the podcast platform that you're listening to right now. Okay, so how to confirm via email. So here's how to authenticate the source of the vendor ad or change. Now I need to break this up into two separate ones because you may be getting that information from an internal employee. And this is the cases where you are receiving or the internal employee is submitting the supporting documentation from the vendor on behalf of the vendor. And where the email system or your IT department has not flagged emails as external. For example, you may work at a company where they highlight this is an external email or some verbiage within the body of the email, or in some cases, an E or external may appear in the subject line. So if your company does not flag external emails as external and your employees, internal employees, are submitting uh, vendor documentation for ads or changes on behalf of the vendor, then you need to authenticate the internal employees. And you can do that by requesting confirmation of two to three validations that only the employee would know and that you or your team has access to. So you definitely don't wanna you know, have them confirm their social security number or last four digits of their bank account like your bank does you when you call in. You wanna do something like their next level up because you can look at an org chart. Most companies, you can look at an org chart and see who their management is. And then also maybe couple that with their cubicle number because again, some companies, you can go on the intranet and you can identify some information related to their cubicle or their office uh, number something that only the employee would know. Now I do recommend documenting and having at least four or five choices so that you can choose randomly and you're not asking for your team is not asking for the same thing each time. So that's employees. Now for vendors, you wanna request confirmation of two or three validations that again, only the vendor or employees of the vendor would know. So just like employees have four or five or more to choose from so that the same questions are not asked each time. But another critical key is to also make sure that you're not asking for validations or elements on the same document. Document. So for example, you don't want to ask for an invoice number and an invoice date since that information is on the same document and it could have been you know, compromised by a fraudster. So all they need is that one invoice. Better is to ask for an invoice number and the last four digits of the tax ID or maybe the combination of a valid purchase order number and the last four digits of the existing bank account. Now that combination or the existing four digits of the existing bank account along with anything else 
would be great, especially if the request is to change the bank account. And this means that they need to have the existing bank account in order to change the bank account. Now, the vendor may push back because they may say, well, I don't know what the existing bank account is. But if you're dealing with a vendor employee that does not have that correct information, then why is that employee requesting a change in the first place? Do you really want to make a change to a vendor's existing bank account if the request is based on a vendor's employee that does not have the capability to access the existing banking information? You must wonder if they really have approval to make the change or if they are who they say they are. And by the way, this is one of the reasons that many people or many companies have used the best practice of if when they're making that phone confirmation, they ask for a different employee than the employee that originally made the request. Again, confirming that the vendor employee is who they say they are. So that's it folks, confirmation or authentication using validations that only your internal employee or your vendor employee will know. And by the way, these tips work for phone as well. So if you have an internal employee or a vendor employee calling you, you can authenticate using the same concept. However, if you receive a phone call I do recommend that you request an email so that the email can run through whatever security filters your IT has first, and then you can authenticate using the process just discussed. Now, I do have an authentication tip that may also help you as you work remotely and actually even when you get back to the office as well. So you can always require supporting documentation for all changes and include on that supporting documentation authentication questions such as the last three deposit amounts and dates or the existing banking details. Now, if you receive this information and you compare it to what's in your vendor master file, then that can suffice for authentication. Now, if you want more tips along with my full authentication, validation, management process, including an authentication template that can be completed and then passed out to your entire team, you can find that in my e-guide, the three-step vendor setup and maintenance process. And I'll put a link to it in the show notes. And included in that e-guide is five authentication techniques, 12 vendor master internal controls, 13 vendor master best practices, an eight-step process for vendor cleanup, a five-step process for mergers and acquisitions into your vendor master file. You just don't want to dump whatever they give you uh, into your vendor master file. And then it also includes the vendor validation resource with links, um, and you can download that for free. Uh, I'll put that in the link as well. And then also the authentication reference template I just talked about. So click the link in the show notes if you're interested in implementing my full process to reduce fraudulent payments as well as regulatory fines.
So that's it for today, folks. Thanks, everyone. I hope you have enjoyed the 75th episode of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast, where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the links mentioned in the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy. 